you may be seated. <clears throat> if I've not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Alan, and I also am one of the pastors at Church of the Island. And uh, there are many of you, if you've been around Church of the Island very long, you, you know the story. But there may be some of you that are guests tonight, or maybe you're not familiar with the story. But just a little over five years ago, uh, at our Westmobile campus, Cottage Hill, is that we discovered that there was a growing number of people who were attending our church from either Dolphin Island or South Mobile County. And uh, I want a couple of those folks that were just very key in leadership and serving at Cottage Hill and living down here were uh, Kevin and Mandy Kennedy. And so Kevin and I developed a strong friendship, and when Mike Breland joined our staff at Cottage Hill, came back to Cottage Hill, really a part of really his calling and part of the reason that we just really connected really well was a similar vision of really reaching just not just West Mobile, but really a heart for a multi-site or a multi-campus model. And uh, we were really praying about as the church became healthy in West Mobile, where would God have us go next? And Kevin and I were having lunch as we do on a regular basis. We only eat lunch at one place, and that's Ruby Tuesday. That's the only place. He won't let me eat anywhere else if Kevin and I, for nine years, that's where we have lunch. And... Um, and, and, and Kevin has a heart, as you know, for Dolphin Island in particular. And what we began doing, Mike and I, along with Kevin and a couple of others, began praying, is this what we're supposed to do? Is this where we're to go? And what we did is we looked at the demographics of Dolphin Island and South Mobile County. And was there a need for an evangelistic work? There in this area, and uh, and even connecting with our director of missions, being being good Baptist, and we said, you know what, there is a need. And hearing the hearts of the people who lived in this area, who were driving and have a heart for their community, and so we just began to get a stronger and stronger sense. Until one day, Kevin and I were having lunch, and Kevin just said, it needs to happen. And I remember saying to Kevin, if you can find us a place, I'm all in. Well, within just an hour or two, Kevin calls me. And he says, well, I have a place. Now the move is yours. So I immediately go to Mike Breland, went to Mike Breland's office, and I said, Mike, I really believe God has us. We're supposed to do this. Mike was all in. And then, basically, Mike did the rest. Mike and Kevin and a couple of others did the rest. And we really came together within about a week of just a real small group, a handful of people. Is this what we're supposed to do? Just asking for wisdom, asking for God's confirmation. And uh, that was just a little over five years ago. And then five years later, by the way, this isn't all of the congregation of Church of the Island. There are many who are not uh, here tonight. There are some that are sick. There are some that are out of town. Um, but we have a growing, vibrant congregation. We have a location. We do ministry all during the week. And you just saw from the videos just lives being forever forever changed. And I'll tell you this, personally, um, some of my dearest friendships, some of my closest relationships 
are right here at Church of the Island. And so uh, after we kind of got the ball rolling, we discovered very quickly, Mike Breland says to me, hey, this isn't really in my job description. We really need somebody to oversee this campus. And God brought us Neil White. Neil became the first campus pastor of Church of the Island. And then we really felt... uh, that God was leading us to launch another campus. So we had Neil help us launch the campus in downtown Mobile. And then uh, we really couldn't find anybody. (laughs) The true story is it was as natural and as providential as the launch of Church of the Island is for David Tippins to be the campus pastor of Church of the Island. But here's what I want you to do. I want you, the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. And I'm going to tell you where honor needs to be given if we're going to celebrate the fifth anniversary of Church of the Island, and that's Mike Breland. Pastor Mike, stand, and we want to honor you. There really wouldn't be a Church of the Island without Mike Breland. I'm very grateful. I will eternally be grateful for Mike Breland. You say, well, Alan, what's your role? I just preach. I just preach on occasion. And so why don't you take your Bible tonight, find the book of Proverbs. You're going to have to forgive me tonight. I have woke up about two days ago with, uh, with strep throat and went to urgent care, got all my medicine. Um, the truth of the matter is... I've been smoking one kind of cigars, and then I switched with the new year, a new kind of cigars, and my body is just not adjusting well. And so y'all just pray as I make this, this, this adjustment, this change. We're in a, a, a teaching series in January, uh, just kind of a new year, and we've launched this series calling it Next Steps, because we really want to... You know, I really believe that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're either, we're either moving forward or we're, we're retreating. There really is no stationary. There is no neutral. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. And so God is calling each and every one of us to move forward in faith. And so really what we want to do for these weeks here in January, is look at the Word of God and look at the steps that are necessary to move forward in faith to experience that which God has for us. And you see, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it, what? In abundance. And so what what God has for you and what he has for me in this new year is a life of abundance, Abundance of joy and peace and strength and all that he offers in him. But there are some things that we need to do and some steps we need to take to experience it. Uh, Pastor David shared the first of the steps last week. And that is we just have to cast aside excuses. So often we don't experience really what God has for us to experience because we're too busy looking back and looking around and making excuses. And what we really need to do is cast those aside and really just be all in and make a commitment, right? So what we want to talk about tonight is is decision-making. You see, if you really want great changes in the new year, great changes in the new year only come when you make good choices daily. 
So we need to understand that if we're going to experience in this new year everything that really God has for you, you need to be able to make good choices. Not just big decisions of do I take this job or do I marry this person or do I buy this house, but even the small decisions, small choices. And so we want to talk about decision-making tonight. Every single one of us make decisions that we regret. There's probably not one of us here tonight that we would look back on last year and look at some choices or decisions that, and wish we would have could do those differently. But why do we? Why do we make bad decisions? Why, before we even dive into the book of Proverbs, and I want you to find the book of Proverbs tonight. In fact, you can just open your Bible kind of to the middle of your Bible there. You may find the Psalms and then move forward to Proverbs in chapter 1. Before we dive in, I want us to think about the basis for bad decisions, bad, bad choices. Why, why do we do that? Because we need to understand why we make bad choices before we can really understand why and how we make good and wise decisions. And I think that first and foremost, you and I make bad decisions because we're following our feelings, right? We're following our feelings. I think back in my life, some of the worst decisions I've made is simply I just went with my gut, right? I just went with my feelings. And so often that's what we do. In fact, probably... Uh, there's some decisions that you've made uh, that you were thinking about and maybe you were seeking advice and you asked someone, hey, I've got this choice to make, this decision. What do you think I should do? And probably a friend or a family member said something like this. Well, you know what you should do? You should go with your gut, right? We've heard that. You may have actually given that advice. Man, just go with your gut. Go with your feelings. Hey, that's bad advice. Listen to Listen to Alan and I. That's bad advice. Don't go with your feelings. Don't go with your gut. Because why? Feelings are unreliable. Our feelings change. Our feelings can mislead us. It's bad advice to say, go with your gut. Let me just give you a very recent practical illustration of that. For the last couple of months, I've gone with my gut. My gut has said for the month of November and the month of December, my gut has said that you ought to take in more calories that your body, than your body needs. Well, I've been going with my gut, and guess what? My gut's bigger than it was. My gut's growing. So I would say to you tonight, listen, we make bad choices. We make bad decisions because so often we go with our feelings, and feelings are unreliable. Feelings mislead us. Feelings change, right? And so not only is it based on our feelings, but we let circumstances decide. We let circumstances decide. And um, we don't need to rely on circumstances because circumstances change. Just like our feelings change, circumstances change. The Bible tells us about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was a prisoner, and they needed to move him to Rome. And uh, they assigned him a particular soldier, and uh, he was about to get on the ship and sail to Rome uh, to be a captive there because of his faith. And uh, God spoke to Paul and said to Paul, Paul, that ship is going to face bad weather, and that ship is going to wreck. And so Paul told the soldier that was chained to him and, and even requested to speak to the captain of the ship, and he said to the captain, listen, we don't need to set sail. This ship is going to wreck. The Lord has showed me that 
that this ship was going to wreck. Well, the captain, of course, said, man, what, what do you know about ships? What, what do you know about navigation? I'm the captain. You're a prisoner. And so the weather looks absolutely clear to me. I don't really know who you are, and I don't really know who your God is, but I know I'm the captain of this ship, and we're going to set sail. And sure enough, you know what the Bible teaches, the weather, what, changed, the circumstances changed, and they did, in fact, wreck the ship circumstances change. So often what you and I is that we make a decision and we say, well, you know what? An opportunity presented itself. And really what we do is that we actually give God the, the blame or the credit to say, well, you know, God opened a door of opportunity and I went through it. I would say this to you. For every door of opportunity that God may open, did you know that there's an enemy, there's an adversary, there's a devil, and he opens doors. And he'll open more doors for you. Take a message if you would. Let him know. I'll get back with him later. But there's circumstances and they change, and we don't need to uh, look for those. We don't need to make decisions based on our circumstances. Why? Because they change. Our feelings change. Our circumstances change. And then so often we actually make bad decisions because we're looking for popular opinion, right? And we can't rely on conventional wisdom or popular opinion because it's always changing. People's opinions are always changing. People are fickle. Baptists are the most fickle bunch of them all. And so we can't make a decision based on what is the majority of people think we should do. Sometimes we make a decision, a choice, based on, well, what do the people around me, what do they think I should do? That's bad advice. We'll make bad decisions based on the majority. Can I say this to you? Our nation right now is in the shape that it's in because the majority of people you know, are making bad decisions. They're making bad choices. We see that all throughout history. The majority, of, the Bible says broad is the road that leads to death and destruction and that narrow is the road that leads to life. Jesus delivered his people. Uh, God delivered his people using Moses out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt, going to deliver them into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey, right? And he's about to deliver them into that land that's been given to them. And he takes a group of 12 and he sends them in to give uh, really just an investigation, just to give a report. They're not to give their opinion. They're supposed, simply supposed to give a report of what they see. And these 12 come back. 10 out of the 12 give their opinion and they say the walls are too tall, the people are too big, and it's just impossible for us to take this land. What God had already told them, it was their destiny. But the majority, because the majority voted, they missed the promised land by 40 years. My point is simply this. We make bad choices. We make bad decisions because we rely on our feelings that change, circumstances that change, or even people's opinions. And we wound up making bad decisions and bad choices, and we don't experience what God really has for us. If you've been around for five years, you've heard me say numerous times, because it's so crucial when it comes to decision-making. Listen. Decisions determine direction, and direction determines destiny. Now, let me say that again. 
decisions, our decisions, determine our direction. And our direction ultimately determines our destiny. So making good decisions, wise decisions, are crucial every single day, especially if you and I, in the beginning of a new year, want to experience everything that really God has for us. So Proverbs, in chapter 1, I want us to talk about the basis of good decisions. Good decisions. Proverbs chapter 1, I want us to begin reading in verse number 1. And would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Now, before we read together, I just want to give a, a statement. The reason we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word is because I could stand up here for 25 or 35 minutes and I could tell you some funny stories and I could, I could maybe tell a couple of jokes. I could, I could give some illustrations. But here's the truth. My stories, my jokes, my illustrations, they're not going to change your life. They're not going to help you in your relationships. They're not going to determine or help tweak your destiny. But I tell you what will, the Word of God, the power of the Word of God. And I believe the reason that God has blessed Church of the Island is because Church of the Island, its foundation, our teaching, our focus is the Word of God. Amen? Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let me encourage you, if you haven't already, take a pencil, take a pen, something you can write with. Because here's what we need to understand. In fact, you may want to underline there, even in verse number two, or circle that word wisdom, that word wisdom. Because what I want you to understand tonight is that the only solid basis for decision-making is divine wisdom. Divine wisdom. And, you know, it's so crucial. There's nothing that you could get this year that would change your life more, your relationships more, your work more, than the ability to make wise decisions. And what we need more than any other resolution is divine wisdom. 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 Let me give you a biblical definition of wisdom. In fact, really, what you may want to do is what I did here in my Bible. I underlined or highlighted that word wisdom, and then in the margin of my Bible, I wrote this definition, right? Wisdom is the God-given ability to make decisions from a divine and eternal perspective. Let me say that again. It's, wisdom is the God-given ability 
to make decisions from a divine and eternal perspective. So let's think about a couple of phrases there in that definition. The first phrase that you may want to underline in your notes is the phrase God-given, right? What I'm talking about tonight is something that is not natural. I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm talking about divine wisdom, and it comes from God. It doesn't come with, from within. It comes from God, right? And just like all the gifts, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God wants to give it to every single one of us. He wants to give us divine wisdom. You need to know this <clears throat> in the new year. Your decisions that you make daily, big decisions, small decisions, God wants to give you the wisdom. God wants to give you the wisdom. Now, there's that phrase, um, that it's God-given, and then we talk about perspective, that, that it's, a, it, it's an eternal and divine perspective. What we need in making decisions is that we need actually a different perspective. We need not our own perspective, but we need a, an eternal and divine perspective. Back um, about a year and a half ago, toward the beginning of covid um, when the world shut down, we, uh, Kathy and I ride motorcycles, and we just made the decision first part of June toward the beginnings of, of, of everything shutting down. We just put our motorcycles in a trailer, and we just took off, and we just, we just drove from, from here, and we drove all the way to, uh, through Nebraska and Wyoming and South Dakota and went through, rode our motorcycles through Yellowstone and Glacier National Park. And we just took, a, took about, you know, probably 14, 15, 16 days. And we just rode. And, man, it, the weather was beautiful. And, man, it was a, an incredible time. And, and uh, there, were, there were some days that as we were riding, we would be on some narrow roads just winding through the mountains and the hills. And, and if, you, if you know me very well, you know one of the things about me is that once I get moving, I, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop, and I don't want to slow down. I mean, one thing about, about Church of the Island and about Allen and his personality is momentum. Mike Breland will tell you, man, I pray for momentum. And once we get momentum, man, I don't want to slow down. Whether that's, that's, a, that's church and ministry, if, if the church is growing and moving, man, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop meeting. I don't want to slow down. Man, I, I, <clears throat> even in my own driving, I just, and so I, I'm riding and I'm having to slow down because going around a tight turn, is there a, is there a car coming in my direction? Is there, is there traffic? And I thought to myself, I wish there was a helicopter that was above me and ahead of me that had a, and the helicopter pilot could just radio me and just say, hey, Alan, clear, clear ahead, don't slow down, no traffic, nobody coming at you, keep going. Man, I would, I'd love that. Wouldn't you love that if you just had like, you know, somebody ahead of you, hey, traffic is fine. We have apps and stuff. But wouldn't it be just nice if just somebody said, hey, man, hey, keep going. Don't slow down. Well, that's what God offers us in his wisdom. God offers us his perspective so that in the new year, as you set the direction, as you set the path, you can begin moving forward and you can trust God and that you don't have to slow down. You can keep moving forward as God provides that wisdom. Now, let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's just kind of move on, and let's talk about the benefits 
of divine wisdom. The benefits of divine wisdom. And what the Bible says here are the benefits. Now, the first benefit is we see in verse number two is insight. Look at verse number two with me. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of what? Insight. Wisdom gives you insight. Divine wisdom gives you insight to see things on a deeper level, to look deeper into an issue, to look underneath the surface of a problem, to actually be able to see kind of what the the root cause is. See, what I've discovered in my own life, when I look to my own knowledge, my own understanding, I'll look at a situation, it could even be a relationship, and I'll say, well, here's the problem right here. But when I say, God, you show me. God, you give me your wisdom. God, help me to see truly. You know what God does? God shows me beneath the surface, and really what he shows me is what the real problem is. See, often it's in relationships. I do most of my pastoral counseling on Thursdays. And I'm not a professional counselor, but I've been a pastor for 20 plus years. And couples will come to me and I'll give them uh, insight from the word of God and maybe help their marriage. And couples will come in and they'll sit down and I'll say, well, what's the problem? And they'll begin to tell me the problem. Well, can I say this to you tonight? 99% of the time when they've told me what the problem is, it's not the problem. It's not the real problem. That really what we have to do is get down below the surface and see what the root cause of the problem is. We kind of often have to kind of go back a little bit because, in fact, even in my own life, sometimes what I think is my greatest problem is not my greatest problem. As a matter of fact, what I think is my greatest problem is actually the very thing that God wants to use not as a problem, but as a potential to bring me to the destiny that God really has for me. And what God really wants to do is get down a little bit deeper. And that's what what insight is. God gives insight so that we're actually seeing the root cause down deep below the surface. God gives insight. But not just insight, but foresight. Foresight. Look at verse number five. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Underline that word guidance, if you would. You see, divine wisdom gives you insight and also foresight. Gives you the ability to see where the path leads before you even take the path. So, Here's what God does when we're seeking his wisdom and God gives us his wisdom. He not only gives us insight to see beneath the surface, but he actually helps us to see ahead and to see the steps that we're to take, whether whether or not they're the right steps, before we even take them. There's a... There's a principle that I've used over the years, and David and I talk about this often. It's the path of principle, or the principle of the path. Uh, David, before he became pastor 
of Church of the Island, David oversaw and directed a ministry called Restored. It was a, a drug and alcohol uh, ministry to men. And uh, we've always had, and I've always had a passion for uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation. In fact, uh, Church of the Island and Cottage Hill and Downtown Church, we're very engaged with these very various ministries like Mission of Hope or Wings of Life and all these various ministries. And David often goes and speaks and shares his story and has done that for, for many years. When you go to these, uh, these ministries... Within just a matter of a minute or two, you'll sit down with a man or a woman, and they'll say something like this. I just have no idea how I got myself here. I just have no idea how, I just, how, I, how I'm here. And uh, sometimes people come to my office. They, they've, they've wrecked their life or wrecked their marriage, and they'll come in and they'll say something very simple. I just don't know. I just don't know how I got here. Well, First of all, that's your problem, right? That's your problem is that you don't know how you got there. But if you'll understand the principle of the, of the path, the principle of the path is this. It's very simple. If you will step out on this particular path and you go down this path, it's only one way you're going to wind up, right? If you, if you go down this path, it only leads one way. And, and friend, if it, the very, we, we can't, we can't help, David and I talk about this, we can't help any man or any woman that's in bondage or has chains, as we sang tonight, about the breaking of the chains. It will never occur until they understand first, how did you get on this path, right? It's not a matter of, well, you're here now. How did you get on the path? Because it's key, it's crucial that you understand it. And what God gives in his wisdom is insight, but also foresight so that you know you are heading on the right path. Now, the third thing that he gives us is hindsight. He gives us hindsight. Look at verse number three. I like how the NIV translates this. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior doing what is right and just and fair. And so as we're thinking about the guidance and the path and the direction as we're living our life, one of the things that God gives us in his wisdom is insight, right, to be able to see deeper beneath the surface. He's able to give us foresight so we can see ahead to know that we're heading in the right direction. But he also gives us hindsight to be able to see when we're, when we're going in the wrong direction and we're taking the wrong steps. It's really, it's, it's, it's understanding God's discipline and the pain of God's discipline. And so often how we really learn is through discipline. Now God loves us, but God disciplines us with his love so that we understand, you know, right from wrong to understand that difference. In fact, let me, let me give you a statement that I believe that is absolutely true. We rarely change when we see the light, but when we really change is when we what? Feel the heat. Can I get an amen? amen. If you ask somebody who's experienced radical change in their life, here's what if they were honest, they would tell you. It wasn't that they saw the light, it's but when they felt the pain right? Now, what do we do? We love our children, 
And one of the first things that we tell our children is, don't you touch that stove. Don't touch that stove. It's hot. We, we had our little grandson, uh, who's a year and a half. We had him over the weekend. And the first thing he does goes to when he's in the kitchen, goes toward the stove. We said, Maverick, don't you touch that. Hot. And he looked at Poppy. Hot. I said, that's right. Hot. Now, guess what he did? Because he's a Floyd. He touched it. <laughs> right? He touched it. So your, your mom, your dad told you, don't you touch that stove. It's hot. Now, what did you do? You probably touched it because you, you needed to experience that pain. So often, how we really learn is experiencing the pain, right? And God, in his wisdom, gives us hindsight to be able to see, you know what? I'm on the wrong. I'm experiencing pain. I'm experiencing pain right now. And God, in his wisdom, will show you that you're experiencing this pain of discipline. Why? Because you're on the wrong path. You're, you're taking the wrong, the wrong steps. And God loves us, but God wants us to walk that path and experience this destiny and, and blessings that he really has for us. We have two sons, Chris and Connor. And uh, they're grown now. And they're living their life. And, uh, but when they were little, uh, Kathy would tell them. Not all the time, but would tell them how she prayed for them. That she prayed for them that when we weren't around... And they were doing something they weren't supposed to, that they would get called quickly and that it would be painful. And she prayed that for them. And they knew it. And, and we could tell you stories about over the years when we weren't around, they'd get caught and it would be painful. And uh, I'm not going to tell you which one of the boys it was, but even as they got older, one of the boys came home, had a speeding ticket. He was furious. He was so mad. He said, I can't believe that police officer wrote me a ticket. I was only going five miles over the speed limit. That's not really speeding. I can't believe he wrote me this ticket. And look how much it is. To which Kathy says, let me remind you, I've always prayed ever since you were little, if you did something you weren't supposed to, that you would get caught and it would be painful. So... You can blame it on me that you got that, that ticket. <laughs> let's, let's finish up by talking about this tonight. Let's talk about the beginnings of divine wisdom. Because ultimately, what you want to know is this. Alan, how do I, in this new year, how do I, how do I, how do I receive God's wisdom? Well, we actually see it all throughout Proverbs. But let me just give you two insights. One is found right here in verse number 7. In verse number 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You ought to underline that phrase, the fear of the Lord. And then a few chapters over, Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 10, the, there it is again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not... It's not shaking in my boots. I'm, I'm scared God's going to strike me down. The word fear here in Hebrew, it carries the idea of, of reverence, of a holy reverence and an awe. See, I think the most overused word in the English language today is the word awesome. I mean, everything is awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. That's an awesome pizza. That's an awesome thing there. That's an awesome television show. I mean, we overuse that word because the truth is there's only one that we ought to be in awe of, and that's God, right? So it's a word that means 
awe. It means holy reverence. And it means this, and you, you may, want to, may want to write this down. It just, it just means this, that really awe and reverence just means this, to put God first. If I'm going to have reverence for God and all of God, I'm going to give him, watch this, I'm going to give him my best and I'm going to give him first place in my life. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to take two minutes, and then we're done, but you're going to need to write this down. If I'm going to truly show reverence to God, this is what it looks like. In fact, you may want to write this down. The way of wisdom, the way of wisdom is give God my first and my best by giving God the, these three things. The first day of my week, the first part of my day, and the first consideration of my decisions. Let's leave this screen up for a second, and let's just look at it. So if I'm going to show him reverence, if I want wisdom, then I need to show him what? Fear, reverence, awe. How do I do that? I give him the first day of my week. So I want to encourage you in this new year, every Sunday night, if possible, give it to the Lord. Give the first day of the week to God. Then give him the first part of my day. So often we wake up in the morning, what's the first thing we do? We reach for our phones, check our mail, check our text, check our calendar, check social media. Listen, if you want God's wisdom, if you want to give him reverence, then, then what, he, what he deserves and really what he demands is priority. The first part of my week, the first part of my day. And so I want to give the first part of my day to him. I want to encourage you to open up your Bible. Maybe it's just getting up 10 or 15 minutes early, but start your day with God. Read his word. <clears throat> I posted on social media a reading plan. Uh, that you read through the Bible in a year. I think it's a worthy goal. Hey, I would say this to you. Maybe just start, maybe just read the New Testament. You say, well, where should I start? Start in the Gospel of John. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, start reading the Gospel of John. Read through John, and then when you get through reading with get through reading John, read the book of Acts, right? It tells you what happens next, right? And then after the book of Acts, read the book of Romans, right? Just read that. Write this down. John, Acts, Romans. And when you get through reading with Romans, you email me and I'll tell you what to read next. All right. But begin your day with God. Now, and then it says the first consideration of my decision. And so before I make the choices, I make decisions. God, I need your spirit to speak to my spirit. God, what, what should I do here? I'm not going to listen to my feelings. I'm not going to listen to popular opinion or just because this is an open door. But Lord, I need your spirit to speak to my spirit. Now, how is he going to do that? He's going to do that again. Back through his word, prayer, God's people, right? Wisdom. Uh, uh, he will use circumstances, but primarily he's going to use his word and he's going to use prayer. And so, listen, big decisions, little decisions. But here's what you need to know. Even those small choices that you make in your life, they have a ripple effect. And they affect the lives of other people. They will affect, listen to me, they'll affect your legacy. They'll affect generations. So I can't emphasize enough wise decision making because of the effects that it takes. Think about this, Kevin, Ruby Tuesday. 
What if we would have just said, as the Lord was impressing upon us, when we had a choice and a decision? What if we would have just tossed it aside? Look at the lives. Look at the baptisms. Look at, look at my good friend Rick back there and, and the friendship that we have in him and see God working in his life. I, I, could, I could give testimony of what I've seen in five years. Mike, what if, what if we would have just dismissed that? What about when we kept moving from the Isle of Dolphin to the school, to the Isle of Dolphin to the school? There were times that Mike and I just said, God, what are you doing? But what we sensed was it wasn't God. It was the devil. The enemy was trying to break us. What if we would have just shut it down? Listen. Ripple effect, ripple effect, wisdom. The invitation for you tonight is very simple. What is the next step for you? Well, what, what is his spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit leading you is your next step? Would you just bow your head with me and let me just pray for us. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a song. And then Pastor David's going to come and we'll be dismissed and we'll celebrate our birthday. But what's the next step for you? For some of you, maybe here tonight, your next step is a step of faith. It's a step of, of trusting Christ, of giving your life to God. Maybe you are a Christian, you're a Christ follower, but you've been in rebellion, you, you've been out of fellowship, and your next step is to come back to right relationship with God. What, what's that next step for you? Maybe you're in a relationship. And the next step for you is to get that relationship right. We, uh, when we built this stage, we, we had one of our members kind of built an altar here. And we want to invite you just to come and kneel and pray. And maybe we might need husbands and wives to just come kneel and pray. Pastor David's going to be here. He'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Maybe your next step is a, a step of, of surrender. Maybe it's this. God, what do you have for me? God, I don't want to make this decision based on my feelings. God, would you give me wisdom? God, would you show me as I give you first place of my life, my first and my best. God, show me. Lead me. Guide me, dear God. Let's stand together as I pray. Heavenly Father, in these next moments, I pray simply for obedience. I pray that what you see tonight in these next few moments is just your people being obedient. Lord, there may be someone here tonight that, that you, you've been tugging at their heart drawing them, pulling them Lord I pray that they would just simply take that step of courage and obedience and come to Pastor David and say I need to give my life to God then maybe there's someone else that needs to come to Pastor David and say I need to come back to God I've been away and I need to come back there may be a couple here that that just need to surrender. Surrender that relationship. And, and that's the step of faith, the step of obedience.
If you're a member of Church of the Island, would you take a moment here in these, in, in, in here as we're worshiping a moment, and would you pray for Church of the Island? Would you pray God's protection? Would you pray God's blessing? But I pray in these next moments. Lord, I pray that what you see in these next moments is your people being obedient. Obedience, dear God. Find us obedient. In Jesus' name.